Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. One more time. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we are here to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm delighted that you have decided to join us for worship. I want to commend to you an online bulletin. You can access it through one of the links in the video description. It will have our scripture, our scriptures, I should say, our prayers, hymn, all that sort of good, pertinent information. We are continuing to release a lot of things through the church website, Facebook page, all that stuff. We're having devotionals that we're emailing out regularly, live videos that I've been recording. You can find out a lot about our church through those different means, whether it's our Facebook page or our website. Uh, we just want to try to stay as connected as we possibly can at a time where we feel like we're really disconnected from one another. Uh, here in Lent, we're in the middle of a sermon series called the Jesus Prayer Book, in which every week we're looking at a different psalm that shows up in the Gospels, where we've been looking at Jesus's favorite playlist, the sort of the, the music that he had in his head throughout his life, the words, the lyrics that helped inspire him to speak, and it helped the crowds to understand what they were seeing. Uh, today, like we've been doing, we're going to hear one of those psalms that shows up in the Gospels. And throughout the series, I've been encouraging us to, to share with one another what's been the music on our own playlist. What have we been listening to that's informing who we are in the world and what the world sees of us, how we understand the world, that kind of thing. I, I am a huge fan of a band called The Strokes. I've been listening to The Strokes since I was in middle school. Now, I, I think I have most of their songs memorized. Uh, they're just kind of like a punk pop band. People might not even like it if I call them that, but it is what they are. And a few weeks ago, I was listening to their album Room on Fire over and over again, and there's this great song on the album called Between Love and Hate. 
And I have had that song stuck in my head for so long that when I started to read the passages we have for today where Jesus talks about how we will be hated because of him and that he has come to inaugurate a, a time of love, I thought about how perfect. We are a people who kind of exist between love and hate. And, and so that's just a way that my own playlist has kind of informed my life and how scripture speaks into music and music speaks into my, in, into scripture. And it's just this wonderful thing. So share in the comments, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, what, what's the music you've been listening to recently? And perhaps how has it helped you to understand your life a little bit better? For me, I've been listening to a lot of the strokes and I'm going to keep listening to them because they're so, so good. Now with that, I encourage you to find a comfortable posture uh, to enter into a, a time of silent prayer as we continue to listen to what God has to say to us today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, save us from hardness of heart. Take from us all of our pride and our pretension. Strip us clean of all that makes us incapable of being witnesses of your gentle love. Make us worthy agents of your peace so that even as we contend with one another, the world may say of us, but see, see how they love one another. And now, O Lord, each of us will lift up to you our own joys and concerns, whether silently or aloud this day. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I noted at the beginning part of our service, we're doing a sermon series called the Jesus Prayer Book, in which we're looking at a psalm that shows up in the Gospels. Today, we're looking at Psalm 35, verses 17 through 21, and John 15, 18 through 25. So hear now God's holy word. How long, O Lord? How long will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my life from the lions. Then I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. Do not let my treacherous enemies rejoice over me, or those who hate me without cause wink the eye. For they do not speak peace, but they conceive deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. And now from John 15, 18 through 25. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belonged to the world, the world would love you as its own, because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates, whoever hates, me, hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not have sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. It was to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today comes from the smaller of the hymnals that we have in the I Methodist Church. This comes from the hymnal titled, The Faith We Sing. It's number 2223. They'll know we are Christians by our love. If you're unfamiliar with the lyrics, you can find them in the online bulletin. So join me now over at the drums as I play and sing, and hopefully you sing with me. They'll know we are Christians by our love. they have seen and hated both me and my father. It was to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Something happened. It's not altogether clear what the something is that happened, but something definitely happened. For we live in a world, a very different world, than we once did. And I don't just mean because of the pandemic. You know, there was a time when everyone seemed to assume that you would grow up, you go to school, you get married, you have two kids, you pay your taxes, and you go to church. Now that world, it no longer exists. 
Whatever the something is that happened, it had a major impact on the church. For it is no longer assumed that new people will keep streaming in through the sanctuary doors, back when we could actually have in-person services, nor will they willfully sit down and, and watch and participate through an entire worship service from the comfort of their couches simply because that's just what people are supposed to do. That's not what church is anymore. Church now is a choice, and it's a choice among a myriad of other choices regarding what we can do with our time. So how, how has the church responded to this something that happened? Well, in large part, we've decided the best path forward is to convince people to love us because we, Christians, are a people of love, which all things considered isn't really a bad idea. God is love. After all, Jesus does tell us to love God and neighbor. Maybe, just maybe, love is all we need. So we, as an institution, we created banners proclaiming the necessity of love. We crafted sermon series about how God loves everyone just as they are. We, we've dropped the L word as often as we could when, frighteningly, we're not entirely sure we know what we mean when we talk about love. Here's an example from a sermon I, I was listening to recently from a friend of mine. She said, God loves you just the way you are, but, that, but God doesn't want you to stay just as you are. God loves you just the way you are, but God doesn't want you to stay just as you are. What in the world does that even mean? So we find ourselves in this place where love is the key to being the church, and we don't know what it means. But even if we don't know what it means, even if we don't know what it looks like, we all at least know that in the end, we want to be loved. And yet, Jesus tells his disciples, and also all of us, that following him means the world will hate us because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you, says the Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also, but they will do all these things to you on account of my name. Now, if we're honest, this isn't the easiest thing to hear from the Lord particularly when we've convinced ourselves the whole point of church is to love and be loved. Here's just a, a brief thought experiment for a moment. Let's imagine, if we can, Jesus showing up today. What would Jesus look like? With whom would Jesus spend his time? What would Jesus preach about? Now, I, I ask us to do this because usually when we picture Jesus, he's this hippy-dippy character who, who throws up a peace sign every once in a while. He just asks us to get along, and above all, he's nice. But Jesus, at least according to the strange world of the Bible, wasn't nice. You don't crucify someone for being nice. Jesus wasn't nice. If God wanted us to be more loving, why did Jesus have to come to tell us that? If God is just about love, then why did God go through all the trouble of being this particular person, Jesus, at a particular time in a particular place? Because if you read from the lips of Jesus in the strange new world of the Bible, he knew that life wasn't as cracked, you know, it, it's not all that it's often cracked up to be. Jesus told stories about giving money away for nothing. He regularly ridiculed the rich. He belittled the religious authorities. He called into question all of the powers and the principalities of his day. And it's for that and a lot more that he was hated. We take the whole gospel picture in for a moment. The crowds, they grow and they grow and they grow only to leave him completely abandoned in the end. Are we sure? 
that we want to follow this Jesus. Now, perhaps we can't imagine being hated for our discipleship, but maybe we can at the very least recover how odd of a thing it is to be Christian. The whole proclamation we call gospel, it's an extraordinary adventure. And that's not the same thing as wanting to be liked or loved by everybody. I mean, think for a moment. Last week, we were looking at Jesus' temptations from the devil in the wilderness. He doesn't eat for 40 days. He contends against the powers of Satan, and then he returns to call the very first disciples. Now, in our minds, we kind of assume that the earliest conversations probably went like this. Okay, okay, I'm God in the flesh. I'm the Messiah, and I finally figured out how to solve all the world's problems. All we need is love. Now, go and tell everyone what I just said. But that's not what happened. Because again, if, if Jesus, if all he came to do was push us in the direction of love, then why did everyone reject him? Why did the crowds, to use the language of our passages today, hate him? Now, perhaps Jesus was hated because he refused to give people what they wanted on their terms. Remember, the devil offered Jesus the power to institute feeding programs and the power over all earthly kingdoms and even the power to instill faith in all people, but Jesus refused all three temptations. Jesus refused because God's kingdom cannot become manifest through the devil's means. Now, that doesn't mean that that Jesus, that he's apathetic or lazy or indifferent. Jesus is very, very active. Jesus is very political. In fact, he is an entirely new politic. But the kingdom that Jesus inaugurates through his life and his death and his resurrection, it's one that comes through the transformation of the world's understandings of how things come to be. Because unlike the world, Jesus refuses to use violence in order to achieve peace. Unlike the world, Jesus refuses to use coercive measures in order to make the kingdom come. Unlike the world, Jesus refuses to use the powers and principalities to do anything. Therefore, the offense, the thing people hate, it's not that Jesus wanted his followers to be more loving. The offense, the thing people hate, is Jesus himself. Over and over again, he talks about bringing down the mighty and lifting up the lowly because he's in the business of rectification. He talks about feeding the hungry and clothing the naked for no reason other than the fact that they're hungry and they're naked. He talks about dying in order to be raised so that the whole of the cosmos can be raised with him for free, whether they deserve it or not. Is it any wonder then The world wasn't prepared to welcome this Messiah. Is it any wonder that people have hated Jesus and his followers since the beginning? Jesus ultimately was put to death, not because he thought the world could use a little more love, though we certainly could use some more love. Jesus was killed because he embodied and proclaimed an entirely different reality that threatens anyone and anything with power. Put very simply, Jesus was killed because he told the truth. Now, for us today, the problem with Jesus' truth-telling is that we and the world, we are drunk with deception, we hoard half-truths, and we live by lies. Telling the truth is no easy thing. I mean, it got Jesus killed, and it can upturn everything about our lives. But contrary to how we so often water down the gospel, there's nothing safe about Jesus, no matter what Veggie Tales might tell us. 
Yes, Jesus offers us freedom from our anxieties, but he does so by giving us, of all things, a yoke to wear around our necks. Yes, Jesus shares the possibility of transformation with us here and now by inviting us into his death, into baptism, so that we might rise to new life. Jesus, yes, he promises our resurrection from the dead, but it's not with the wave of a magic wand. He promises it to us by making us members of his very body, redeemed by his very blood, so that we can become a community that is an alternative to the communities of the world. And it's for that that we might be hated. But why? That question, it still lingers. Why would the world hate us? Well, Jesus forms us into a people who live by strange ways and strange means. We're a community that gathers, even virtually, with people we share nothing in common with except for Jesus who binds us to each other. We're a community who believe in the transformative power of praying for our enemies and turning the other cheek and feeding the hungry and befriending the friendless and hoping against hope. We are a community committed to the least of these, even if and when the world tries to convince us to do otherwise. God in Christ has knit us together to be a people, yes, of love in a world that runs by hate, which is a very dangerous way to live. Now, it might sound difficult or even frightening, but at least it's an adventure. The gospel is not merely one thing after another. It's not maintaining the status quo. The gospel is the only thing that really matters. It's the difference that makes all the difference. So hear the good news. Hear the gospel. Despite all of our best efforts and all of our best intentions, we couldn't fix ourselves and we couldn't fix the world. Even though we've certainly tried, then we've convinced ourselves that if we just loved each other a little bit more, that finally everything would be set right, but things have largely stayed the same. So considering all of this, what has God done? Was, was God delighted to give us an A for effort, but an F for execution, and therefore close the doors of the kingdom to us forever and ever? Well, actually, in a wild act of humility or humiliation, God came down to us. God became one with us. We've always thought and we've always acted like the whole purpose of this thing called faith, the whole purpose of this thing called church was to somehow get ourselves closer to God. When in fact, the truth is that God came down to us. God came down to the level of the cross, straight into the muck and into the mire of life, all the way down into the very depths of hell. He who knew no sin took on our sin so that we might be free of it. Listen, this isn't just something that happens for all those do-getters over there in some other place. God still stoops down into your life and into mine. God has taken stock of all of our choices, the good and the bad, and still chooses to come and be God for us, with us, in spite of us. God loves you so much that God was willing to die. Jesus died for you. He lived his whole life amidst poverty. He endured reproaches and derision and abuse just so you and I and the world could escape death. And Jesus does this knowing full and well that we are the kind of people who would have shouted crucify at the end. 
But Jesus, thankfully and wonderfully, is peculiarly obstinate. Jesus doesn't need us, and we so desperately need him. And that's the scandal of the gospel. Jesus, God in the flesh, chooses to live, die, and live again for us, and we don't deserve it one bit. No one does. We who follow him are called to live in the light of that perplexing good news because that light, the knowledge that Christ has come to do something for us we don't deserve and that we couldn't do for ourselves, it's that light that gives us the power and the strength and the grace to see ourselves and one another, not according to the ways of the world where we measure everything and everyone by worth and by value. Instead, in this light, we realize that it's all according to the one who is the way and the truth and the life, the one who gives us meaning and life and value. Now, the world might hate us for acting and living like that, but Jesus has overcome the world. Something has happened. Things are not as they once were, but this is still very good news because the something that happened, his name is Jesus. So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, whose glory it is to always have mercy, be gracious to all of us who have gone astray. Bring them and us again with steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast to the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word. And now we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, our thoughts, our prayers, but also with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can bring your offering by. We have a drop slot by our main office doors. Give. Give with glad and generous hearts that the world might know us by our love together as the community of faith. Another way we like to respond to what God has said is using the Apostles' Creed. So please join me as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see, know, and believe that the world might hate us for who we are, but it's not because of who we are, but because of the one who has come to save us. And not just us, but everyone. It's still good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
I look forward to gathering with you all again next week, same time, same place, to listen more to Jesus' favorite playlist through the Jesus Prayer Book. I hope you continue to jam, listen to some good music this week. And until then, go in peace, be well. Amen, amen, and amen. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Hold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way. And try me, Savior, today. Wash me just now, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being, absolute thy spirit till all shall see Christ only only